Welcome back to the Wise Athletes Podcast. Today, in episode number 54, I spoke with Annette Verpio, founder of Posture Pro based in Montreal. Annette is a posture specialist, but that description doesn't do justice to the scope of benefits her expertise can bring to the older athlete. Annette is a TED Talks veteran, and she works with professional and collegiate athletes as well as master's athletes to eliminate chronic pain, increase strength, and improve sports proficiency. Annette started her career as a rehab specialist, but was frustrated with how her patient's pain would often return. She says the methods she was taught just didn't permanently solve the underlying issues, so she dug into the science and came up with an innovative yet logical set of techniques to restore proper brain-body connection related to how the body moves and stabilizes itself. This was a fascinating discussion. If you have chronic pain or have poor posture or seem to get injured easily, you owe it to yourself to listen in to my discussion with Annette to hear her explain how to tell if you have a brain-body connection issue, and if so, what are some simple exercises you can do. All right, let's talk to Annette. Annette Verpio, welcome to the Wise Athletes Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, I'm so tickled to have you. I stumbled across you here re- just recently and have been gobbling up your content. Fortunately, you've, you've been on a few podcasts and I've been on your website. And your approach to helping people really, it, while it touches on some things that I've heard before and some things that I've even personally done, it really is, so much of it is new. I'm kind of amazed by it. But rather than me try to tell you how amazed I am, Let's start with you telling our audience, how did you come to be a posture specialist and how did you learn about all of these connections that resulted in ways to help people to have better posture and move better and have less pain, et cetera? Yeah, well, um, you know, I started off as a rehab specialist and uh, this was 14 years ago and quickly came to realize that the concepts of the brain were never really taken into account in any rehab programs. Um, And I came to this realization because as I was trying to help and alleviate uh, people in my practice, it always seemed to be that their problem came back. Now, the amount of time in between sessions would vary from one individual to the other, However, the same problem was never really fixed. Of course, this led me to dig a little bit deeper into why that was. And um, I quickly came to realize that what, what controls movement and range of motion and when we feel pain and the fact that you or your auditors are, are hearing what I'm saying right now, everything really has to do with the way that our brain is interpreting that information. And this is also true when it comes to pain. Pain is, of course, an indicator that something is wrong. But the mere fact that we are able to sense pain comes also from our brain. So what I've done through the years is that I've taken information that is already out there as far as neuroscience and kind of put the pieces together to to develop an approach, which I call a brain-based approach in the context of rehabilitation. So for example, rather than working on a part of the body where you may feel the pain, let's take a shoulder, shoulder, for example, or the knee, rather than working on that shoulder or that knee, I'm going to go stimulate parts of your brain that I know have an effect 
on the tonic muscles, which are basically those, those small and short little muscles that are located really, really close to your joints, to have a greater effect on the phasic muscles, which are the larger muscles away from your spinal cord that allow you to actually move your body efficiently. And what we found is that by doing this, we're able to have really, really quick results with pain, but most importantly, actually change the motor engrams in the brain that we've acquired over time that make our posture or that makes us who we are today as far as a postural standpoint. So what I'm saying is that postural habits can actually be changed through a brain-based approach. Now, going back to the rehab, this is not something that can be addressed through rehab. And the reason and the explanation is really quite simple. When you have a session of rehab, you will have an effect on the sensation that will last a certain period of time. But as we've all experienced, rehab lasts no more than an hour. But if I've walked with a body that is unbalanced, lower shoulder, lower hip, rotation, posterior glute or whatnot, if I've been walking like this for a year, for example, usually it's much, much more than that, but let's say a year, and I'll go for rehab for an hour, the amount of stimulation, there's, there's too much of a difference between the stimulation, rehab, and the amount of time that I've been functioning with the imbalance for. And this is the reason why the nervous system is not able to reverse that process. Hence, results are only temporary when we choose to do rehab. So I've created a company called Posture Pro, developed a method called the Posture Pro Method, and, and developed different types of online seminars to help spread the awareness. I believe that not enough people know about this. I know that there is a solution and that there is a way to alleviate your pain. And this can be tested very simply with very simple exercises that could be done virtually from anywhere in the world, pre and post. And, and you know, keeping in mind that everybody's brain and nervous system is different, it's very rare that we don't actually have a result with the symptoms that you're experiencing, providing that we work on these different types of sensory organ systems. Great. Well, I'm tickled to have you here. I'm sure you're going to be able to help us out. Let me just start by saying that the audience here, and you say auditor, I think that's what you mean listener when you say auditor. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Sorry. That's my French kicking in. <laughs> uh, no, that's quite all right. L- listeners, yes. The audience uh, to the Wise Athlete podcast is the older athlete. And I'm an older athlete. And I've been lucky, really, over the years to not have too many problems you know, with joint issues or pain issues, but that doesn't mean I've had none. I've had you know less than my share, but still more than I wanted. And what I've heard you say is that a lot of this stuff can come from childhood, from the first year of life and possibly through the first eight years of life, but it also can come from just habitual improper movement, maybe too much sitting for too long or, or things like that. Anyway, the, the issue is that with the older athlete, we've had a long time to get used to these compensations that we've come up with that worked pretty well. I mean, if they didn't work well at all, we would have dealt with them somehow. We would have been forced to deal with them, but they worked well enough. And so, you know, we probably all have these somewhat dysfunctional behaviors that just are, you know, that's, they're just not that bad. You know, occasionally something crops up and, uh, and we'll have pain or, or something like that. But the, the point that I'm trying to get to is that if we all have these dysfunctions by that, I mean, not optimal, 
what it would suggest is that even if we don't have chronic pain, we probably are not as strong as we could be. And I don't mean by getting out and exercising more. I mean by just having more normal movement patterns, standing up straight, not having one hip higher than the other or shoulder lower or head tilted or more weight on one foot than the other, just to mention some things that I've heard you say. So everybody listening to this has something to gain from these interventions that you could share with us that would allow them to, I guess, first identify that they have some kind of imbalances or dysfunctions, even if they're slight. And then secondly, what they might be able to do to be able to work through those. What do you think about that? Yeah, you, you've completely nailed it. It's really, there's, there's really two types of, um, I mean, I'll try to separate it as best as I can. I think that the main problem really is when we start at the beginning of, of life, and this might not be something that, you know, that, that we think of on, in the context of pain, is one has to, if we really want to get to the root cause and understand, and there are some people that do want to uh, decorticate and understand absolutely everything, and, and that's completely okay. But if we want to get to the root, to the beginning of where this problem came from, at some point, you'll have to look at the way that the nervous system develops, and it starts with birth. And the problem with birth and babies and toddlers, and certainly in the 21st century, and with the rise of technology and, and social media, is that children are moving less. Hmm. Now, what we know, young, intermittent, or elderlies, is that movement activates the brain. And there is a very specific reason for this. Uh, this movement can only be generated through three different types of systems that are meant to keep us upright, or I should say help us stand upright and develop the type of homo sapien type of posture, which is an upright posture, which is what differentiates us from, from animals. So... The problem really does begin with the fact that parents are undereducated, I should say, or don't really know about, about these different things and primitive reflexes. But then when we go into athletes, um, whether or not they're performing at their optimal performance, although they're winning medals, or even elderlies, or the way that we're aging, are we aging gracefully or not, it does always go back to those same sensory organ systems. So in other words, if you're not activating your muscles optimally, you have to have, in order to be able to walk and stand upright, there needs to be a certain amount of tension between your flexors and extensors. And that's actually something that happens unconsciously. We, I could certainly flex my abs or contract my back consciously, but when I'm standing upright, there is a certain amount of unconscious that's going there. And that unconscious really starts with the primitive brain, which goes back to the first years of life. Now, when you start to look into the way that how the brain, the connections to the brain start to form from the moment of birth to eight years old, uh, what we notice is that the development of the, the front part of the brain called the, the frontal lobe actually happens fully 
at the eighth year of life. And this is the part of the brain that's implicated with, uh, with dopamine. Uh, there's dopamine uh, embedded sensory receptors in the frontal part of the brain, but anything with, with behavior, planning, motivation, personality, uh, really what makes us who we are today. So at the end of the day, what ends up happening is if we're talking about um, movement and prevention and pain, uh, addressing or working through a brain-based approach can help that. But the truth of the matter is that the brain affects absolutely everything. So if you're going to have an impact on pain, you'll have an impact on mood, you'll have an impact on emotions, you'll have an impact on stress, on cortisol, on digestion, on sleep, and, and, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. And again, the missing link is that in the rehab industry, no one's looking at this. Everybody's talking about the problem. There's videos talking about the problem. We know that there's a problem and we talk more about the problem, but how can we fix it? <laughs> this is what I, this, this is, and this is what we, we want and this is what we teach. We uh, give uh, regular people, weekend warriors, professionals, athletes, we give them tools to teach them on how to rewire their brain or hack their nervous system so that they can have an immediate impact on their muscular system. Now, the speed of the nervous system, if you take a moment and just, you know, take your finger or a feather or a pen and kind of, you know, tickle your hand or your forearm, how long does it take for you to actually feel the sensation? It's, it's immediate. Long. It's yeah. immediate. Because the nervous system works at the speed of 114 meters per second. So if we're using sensory stimulation to activate your brain, that's how fast the changes are, are occurring. So some people will say, well, this sounds too good to be true. How can I have, how, how is it possible that my posture is aligned so quickly? Now, again, keep in mind that everybody's nervous system is different. Uh, someone who has Parkinson's versus a, a young 18-year-old uh, that is uh, at, the, at their prime in their health, there will be different levels of results. But nonetheless, there will be results. Uh, and this is simply because we are working on, on a brain-based approach. So just to clarify things, because I, I understand that this could become overwhelming, there are three systems, and this holds true for every single human on the planet, okay. that helps us have an upright posture. Those systems are your visual system, which is basically your eyes that sees the environment, and this is a very complex system that we can speak of for, for years on, on out. I want to mention that the visual system is still something that is not fully understood in the medical literature. We have a pretty good understanding of it, but it's constantly evolving. So there is the visual system. The visual system and the vestibular system, which is your inner ear, are, you know, exchange information between one another. And, you know, your inner ear is going to help you stabilize your head on your shoulders. So in other words, if I'm playing sports and I'm riding a bike or I'm golfing or skiing or playing basketball or whatnot, um, my brain needs to be able to keep that image focused uh, on the retina while my head and my body is moving. So the eyes and the inner ear are kind of, you know, they communicate together in the brain. Interesting. So those are the two systems, visual, vestibular, and then there is the proprioceptive system which is everything that has to do with your muscles and your joints. So when we talk about proprioception, it's your perception of where your body is in space. And that perception will come from the tension in your muscles and from 
your joints. So those three systems uh, serve the purpose to keep us upright. And this information between the three is constantly being compared with each other, which is what helps us orchestrate this thing called gait and upright posture. Now, when there's a um, mismatch or conflicting information in one, two, or even three of these systems, what you end up having is a confused brain. There needs to be uh, somewhat of, um, uh, there needs to be synchronicity between the information that is being exchanged from either one or two or three of these systems. And if there is asynchronicity between this information, the first area that you will see compensations in is in body posture, in postural imbalances, lower shoulder, lower hip, in unevenness of muscle tone, but also unevenness of skills. Uh, someone who's ambidextrous, for example, that's also an indication of something else. So the first area you'll see a compensation in, a compensation in to keep this simple will be in your posture and your muscles. And if you have an imbalance, in your muscles and in your posture and in your joints, it's just a question of time before you end up getting hurt. So we all agree that movement is life. Movement activates the brain. We should train, we should move, but the problem is, and here's the catch 22, is if you're training with a body that is misaligned, you are wearing out your joints asymmetrically. Uh, so think of your car. If you're riding on the highway with a Ferrari and you have one wheel that is aligned and the other one is just very slightly misaligned, I mean, the Ferrari is still going to be able to ride. But at some point, as you start adding the mileage on the car, it will start to break down. And for most people, that happens towards the older part of their lives, 40 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old. And this is when the body starts to break down because the nervous system starts to age those joints, so, so other hormonal changes start to take place, our lifestyle, our stress, all of that starts to come into play. And, you know, at the end uh, or when we are older or even at the end of our, of our life, because, you know, certainly the ones that are the, sensing this the most are, are the elderly, uh, we're not able to age gracefully. So what I'm proposing is um, a method to just like healthy habits of, you know, eating right, making sure we train, trying to reduce our stress, I'm proposing means to, to stimulate our nervous system, just like we, you know, we promote eating properly and, and reducing our stress as means of a healthy lifestyle to help us age gracefully. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a good goal. I, that's what I want too. So yes, let's, let's, get, let's get some advice here from you. You haven't mentioned yet, but I've, I've heard you say it elsewhere about what the, the different parts of the body are where some of this dysfunction originates from or maybe resides. And, and I wish you'd tell us a little bit about that. One of it is the feet. And that's sort of logical because that's, that's how I'm holding myself upright. And so it would make sense that if something was off with how my feet worked, that that would have lots of effects throughout my body. You know, and then the harder I run or the more force I put on my feet, the more exaggerated these problems would be. So that makes perfectly good sense. The other thing that you've mentioned here and elsewhere is in the eyes. 
And that is less obvious that that would make a big difference. Uh, at least it was to me. But just this morning, what I did was I tried to do a balance drill that said, oh yeah, do a lunge, but do it with your eyes closed. And I thought, okay, well, and I did a lunge with my eyes open, no problem. And then I did a lunge with my eyes closed, I about fell over. Well, so obviously the eyes are a big part of my ability to stand upright and to move my body. Anyway, uh, would you tell us a little more about these things? Because I think that these, the feet, the eyes, and I think you also talk about the jaw or that the area of the jaw, including the tongue, are central to the interventions that you have developed for helping people. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making anything up other than just uh, collaborating all of these different uh, body parts together. I like to refer to them as sensory organ systems. So okay. sensory receptors, sensory organ systems. I like to use this, this terminology because anything that is sensory means that you feel something from the external world or see something from the external world. And you take that sensory information, whether it be a touch, whether it be visual, and you, uh, we have a system that projects this information into our brain for our brain to then interpret whatever is being seen or felt in order to have an appropriate response for our survival. So do we have a lion chasing us? Uh, did we just walk on a rock? Do we need to lift our foot to protect the injury to our foot? Or do we need to flee for our life? All of these systems are put in place from an evolutionary perspective. Now, in the brain, there is something called the, uh, and I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce this right because of my, uh, my French slash English, homoculus, hom which is basically a, a representation of a small of human being in your brain. So in other words, if you go right in the center, right in the center of your cranium, you'll have the representation of your feet in the brain. And as you move away, you'll, you know, you'll go the trunk, the arm, the hand, the face, the lips, and so on and so forth. So there are specific body parts that send more information to the brain than other body parts. So my feet are represented really, really close to my sensory cortex and motor cortex right towards the midline. Uh, my trunk a little less, my arm a little less, my hands are really important because I need to be able to kind of feed myself and grab stuff. And my mouth, my mouth is also really important in my uh, oh. homoculus. I see. So you're saying that this, because I've seen pictures of this homoculus that is yeah. like a, a human being that's sort of all out of proportion where the feet are really big and the hands are really yeah. big yeah, and the exactly. head is and the mouth are really big and everything else is really small. And you're saying that, that, is, that that's just sort of a representation of the number of nerve impulses that come to the brain. Correct. And so you're not just randomly picking the three things that are the biggest in that weird picture. You're saying it's because they're the biggest that they have the most effect. And that's where the interventions would have the most good. Exactly. Exactly. So okay. um, the feet are, are important because, well, we walk with our feet. <laughs> now, uh, you know, from the moment that we stand up, which is usually 12 months of age, there's one thing that we're going to start uh, feeling as humans, and, and that pressure is actually going to help us build our brain. It's gravity. 
So, uh, you know, if you take astronauts that go in space, when they come out of space, they're kind of, uh, their brain and muscles have, they're kind of, they're really, really weak because they've had a lack of gravity. So that gravity is absolutely essential as humans living on Earth to build our brain, to stimulate our brain. Now, the feet are going to play a role, and you mentioned those, those different types of sensory receptors. So let me just clarify, we work with three main sensory receptors. The foot is the first one. Why do we choose the foot? Because that is the first thing to come in contact with the ground. Now, if you look, so there's the foot before I explain that. Then there's the eyes. That's going to be the other extremity of your body, right? And then in between the two is your jaw. Okay. Now, if we go back to the foot, let's just focus on that foot for a second and we kind of strip it. You'll notice that the foot has skin, muscles, and joints. Yeah. Now, each and every one, skin, muscles, and joints, sends information to your homoculus. So there's that. So let's say you have what I refer to as a mixed foot. What is a mixed foot? This is a test that you can do very easily, and I've posted them on on my YouTube channel is simply determine whether or not your weight-bearing surfaces on your feet are uneven. So more often than not, around 80% of the population worldwide have an imbalance with their feet, which means that one foot will pronate, for example, and the other foot will supinate. So if I actually take a print of that foot, the pressure is not the same. Yeah. So just for the people who can't see you like I can, yeah. the pronate was where the foot rotated inward toward the arch, where the arch would press toward the ground, and then supinate was when it rotated to the outside of the foot. Correct. Okay. Correct. And that asymmetry, that imbalance in the weight-bearing surfaces is actually being picked up by your brain. And does this mean that you have different amount of body weight on each foot or is it just the wear on the foot if the weight is bearing both you're going to have both and this is when we get into the second problem with the foot because it is a multifactorial problem with each and every one of these sensory organ systems now the second problem will now be biomechanical so we first determined that the skin muscles and joints sends feedback to your brain. So there is that. Your brain's going to interpret this and, and do something about it. And then there's going to be the problem of an imbalance with range of motion on the different joints that are located above the ankle joint. What are those joints? Well, well the knee joint, the hip joint, your entire spinal cord, your cervical spine, and your head. So this is when we say that this is a bottom-up problem. So we always start all of our interventions by regulating from a bottom-up rather than a top-down approach. We start from the bottom and we work our way up. The foot must be addressed. Okay. So there's that. Then when we start to look at the eyes, again, as I've mentioned before, the eye in itself is extremely complex. What we're really looking for are not refraction disorders. That's not part of our, that's not part of our job description, but what we're looking for is an imbalance, again, with the muscles that move the eyes. Okay, so not like vision correction, like wearing glasses, but just how the eye would move. 
and and by balance you mean how the eyes move together correct correct okay. so just as we can you know look at range of motion from one side to the other with the shoulder i want you to think of exactly the same thing but now with your eyes so can you move can both of your eyes move in synchronicity to focus on a specific target can they move in the same fashion if you're looking at this tar target closely or from um or from far are your eyes able to see the same image if you're moving in the upper left quadrant, bottom left, upper right, bottom right? So what's going on there? Is there an imbalance with your eye muscles? And this is important because if you actually look at the insertion and origin of, these, uh, of the cranial nerves that innervate these muscles, they are connected right into, again, your primitive brain. Your primitive brain is the brainstem, which is the center of your brain. That is the part that is active in newborn babies. This is why newborn babies are not able to walk at birth because they don't have access yet to the bigger brain, to the mature brain, which allows them to control gross motor movements. Yeah. They're unable to control their bicep or their hands consciously because those connections are not well formed. So going back to the eyes, those eye muscles are innervated by cranial nerves that reside exactly in the same area. Now, it just so happens that that area, if you actually zoom into it, is the same area that controls everything and anything that is unconscious with your organs. Hmm. So heart rate, digestion, hormone production, blood pressure, all of that is regulated in the same area. Hmm. So in the context of rehab now, because we're talking about movement and pain and optimizing performance, so there's that. But then there's also the concept of calculating distances properly. If you're an athlete and you are looking with your eyes at the goal that you're trying to make and you want to make that goal, and you have one eye that is moving really, really good, and the other eye that's kind of like, you know, has a lack of range of motion, let's say, then your ability to clearly focus on that target is going to be compromised. You're not aware of it. Unless we do a specific test, you will never be aware of it. What you will do instead is that you will position your body, muscles, and bones in a certain fashion without realizing it so that you can overcompensate to make that goal. Now, if you repeat that movement for 10,000 hours, yeah. that movement, this imbalance in movement, then becomes a habit in your brain, what we refer to as a motor engram. Yeah. So now here's the thing. You're unaware that you have an imbalance unless you see yourself while you're taking a selfie and you're like, wow, my head is always tilted on this side. How come uh, my shoulder is always lower? I don't understand. Oh, my shoes are always wearing out on one side in comparison to the other. For the uh, men that are listening, uh, says your suits are tailored with one arm that is longer than the other right. uh, and whatnot, right? Those are all things. Those are all indications of an, of an imbalance but we don't really pay attention to them because no one really talks about these, or I should say no one really understands them, understands them in the context of rehab. Well, in the cycling world, people get fitted onto bicycles all the time, and they, are, they always have imbalances in leg length and things like that. And, and you're saying it's not 
that their their leg bones are actually a different length. It's that they their posture has adjusted for some reason over time to make them be imbalanced. One hundred percent. And when I'm and I'm even going to take it a step further, that imbalance always, always comes from the feet and the eyes. Okay. You cannot be posturally imbalanced. Of course, we're excluding any traumatic events from, from, from this explanation, but you cannot have an imbalance or pain for that matter without having an imbalance either with the weight-bearing surfaces of your feet and or with the way that your eyes are moving or both. Now, I just want to add the third sensory receptor in this, which is usually an organ system that is reserved to the profession of dentistry. Your jaw can also create an imbalance with your posture. So I'm not referring to dental work. I am referring, though, to the position of your temporal mandibular joint, referred to as the TMJ, which is a joint in itself, just like your knee joint, except it's located in your skull. So every single time you speak, every single time you chew food and swallow, that joint is is um, over solicitated and if your lower jaw if your teeth did not come out properly if you needed braces uh, if you have missing teeth and there's you know there's different criterias that that we look for all of those components can also affect the position of your lower jaw which will in turn create an asymmetry with your tmj which will then affect your head posture on your shoulders, which goes back down to your feet. So in other words, you're not going to be fighting gravity optimally. You're going to waste energy standing upright, which is what explains why people will say to you around 40, 50, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Or they're not recovering well. Or they're not recovering. Yeah. Or they have a training plateau. It's got to be more than just the teeth. I know that uh, whether you're breathing through your mouth or your nose is going to affect the position of your jaw. And uh, if you're, and I've heard you talk about clenching of teeth. So there's more to it than just whether you need dental work or have had dental work. Well, you know how, how I mentioned before, how the foot has really three different types, uh, the muscles, the joints and and the bones relays in in foot to the nervous system. Well, the jaw is the same thing, your teeth, your tongue, And the muscles of the jaw relays information to the nervous system. And guess what? That cranial nerve, which is the fifth cranial nerve, is located in the same area in that brainstem. So when I talk about clenching my teeth, what does that mean? It means if I'm upset, if something happens right now that upsets me or frustrates me, there is going to be some type of chemical reaction in my brain that makes me feel upset. Uh, there will be an exchange or an increase in cortisol. Those are different parts of the brain that are actually taking in to, uh, you know, start accelerating my heart rate. But one of the things that I'm going to do also to, to try to cope with that stress is I'm going to clench my teeth. Hmm. Just a little bit of contact. Not when I'm sleeping, when I'm, when I'm awake. And because the trigeminal nerve, which is the fifth cranial nerve located in your brainstem, because that nerve also picks up information from your teeth, right? You got the roots right here that are sensing when you go to the dentist for a cavity, they have to freeze you because what they're freezing is a trigeminal nerve. That information is actually being picked up and relays back to your brainstem, which will then create an imbalance, in this example, with your posture. So the more I clench, the more I wear out my teeth, the more my head will go forward 
And there's also going to be a myriad of different symptoms that will happen from a hormonal perspective. It's very complex. I understand that. But to keep it short, the position of your jaw and your habits with your jaw can also influence your posture and your health. Right. So instead of just trying to stand up straight or sit up straight all the time, there are other things we could do that would make that happen instinctively. Correct. Okay. That's great. Well, maybe we could get into, uh, we only have so much time here together and, and I really want to get to some of these things that I've heard you tell people that they could do to help themselves uh, along these lines. And then before we uh, wrap up, we'll get some contact info from you and people can, I'll put in links to your your uh, TED talk and and other uh, your YouTube channel and uh, other information that you've got out there that is just really fabulous. Uh, yeah, so uh, you know, let's let's start with the feet. One one of the things uh, as your your daily routine, what what I would suggest and what I do and what I suggest to every single person that I that I speak to is to uh, find a way to stimulate the skin of your foot. You can do this superficially. Uh, for example, taking a fork and rubbing the skin of your foot or using um, a pen and just, you know, superficially rub the skin of your foot. You can go a little deeper, uh, use a gua sha of some sort and now start to push in to the plantar fasciitis and the muscle. That's going to be another type of sensory system. And you can even use, uh, you know, the cream that kind of warms up when you have a back injury. I forget what that is. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I forget it too. Yeah, but, okay. uh, well, you can also use a cream that actually, because now you're going to be working with thermal receptors because there's different uh, types of receptors in your skin. So if you really want to target all of those different sensory receptors, then that's what I would do. I would find a way to stimulate the skin or the muscles or, he, or through heat or cold or all together to kind of activate the brain in, in the morning. Some of this is because we are so sort of chronically unnaturally under stimulating the feet because they're in shoes and in socks almost all of the time. Is that right? Uh, yes, correct. Uh, and also, you know, I mean, it doesn't hurt to, you know how people warm up before they train? Sure. This is like kind of warming up your brain before you start your day. Excellent. And let's go back to the homoculus. Remember, it's that's a big part of your brain right there in your sensory and motor cortex. So you're doing something to stimulate that homoculus as you would, you know, do some warming up exercises before you start to stress your body positively. Fantastic. So that would be one way that um, you can definitely, um, you can definitely do this. Now I would rec recommend doing this every single morning, yeah. doing it before training. But um, I don't know, I don't know if you know, Joe, but we've also, because we've had the request, we've also created products that provide that sensory stimulation to the nervous system uh, to reach specific reflex points in the body. And some of the products that we've created are, are what, what I call postural insoles. And the description of, of what differentiates one from the other is on our website. Okay. Uh, hopefully you can, you can add it on, on, uh, on the links in the description below. But there are other solutions. We try to create solutions for people that are free and for the others that feel to invest a little, that want to invest a little bit more and kind of get that stimulation 24-7. We've also created partial insoles for them. Well, so that would be well, let me let me just ask you, because it, it would seem to me like one of the things you should do is you should try to be barefoot some of the time. So I'm assuming that that's true. But I guess the issue is, well, you know, if you've already got, like for me, for example, my arches collapse when I stand on them. 
And as a result, I've been wearing orthotics. I've had orthotics in my shoes. I don't know how long, 20 years. I mean, forever. So what do you say to that? Well, um, what I'm going to say is I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, so the role of orthotics, the way that I, un I understand it, is to create or position the foot in a neutral position yeah. and to mechanically, mechanically create a support, an arch support that puts your foot in that optimal neutral position. Mm-hmm. But then if you look at the way that the role of the brain in the context of muscle, for example, in this example, the role of the brain is to create muscle tone. Mm -hmm. Muscle tone comes from the brain. So if you have a lack of muscle tone, in this example, in your arch, then that's really coming from your brain. So that's that. Then, so that's bad. Well, it's just that your, your brain just needs a little bit more stimulation. If you okay. want to develop your pecs and you don't have enough pecs, what are you going to do? You're going to go bench press. Exactly. Right? Your pecs are weak right now. They're underdeveloped. Well, you want to get big pecs, you start bench pressing. Yeah. So, so I need to develop the muscles in my feet, you're saying. You do. So there, there are exercises that you can do for this as well. Yes. But remember, what Posture Pro and, and what I want to do is always address the cause. What caused this to begin with? Okay. Yes, we can strengthen it with, muscle, with exercises, but what is at the root cause of the flat foot? It all, it's the brain. Why is the tone in the brain not activating the arch properly? And that probably goes back to childhood. Mm. So that's a, that could be another, you know, another topic or another podcast, but that's another conversation all in itself. But just to address okay. the cause, it probably comes from childhood. Now going to the arch support, if I put a cast on your arm, remember how the brain takes sensory proprioceptive information from your muscles and your joints? Oh, sure. If I support a, a body segment and I prevent your muscles and joints from moving, I remove gravity from them. What happens? Oh, sure. I had a cast on my leg when I was a young man, and my leg w turned into just a, you know, a skeleton. So I know exactly what you're talking about. The muscles say, well, if the body says, well, if I don't need those muscles, then I don't, then I'm going to make them go away. And that's the same thing is happening under the feet when we yeah. put a mechanical arch support. So in other words, what, what will happen uh, from, you know, from year in and year out is that the arch will further and further, further collapse because it's getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Yeah. So hence, we're not really addressing the cause. The good news is that at any point in time, you can actually reverse that process. As long as, long as we're dealing with someone who, has, uh, who is alive and still has a nervous system, it's never too late to start. You can Good. always reverse the process. And for you, Joe, rubbing the skin of the foot, doing those sensory redrills would actually be excellent and really, really beneficial if you haven't started doing them already. And maybe work my way out of wearing orthotics all the time? And maybe, yeah. And that's going to be for you, for you to decide if that's, you know, how you feel in your body. So there's, there's that. The second tip that I would give is to, which goes back down to the foot, is to do some eye exercises. Now, there's different types of eye exercises. Again, they really are uh, shown in detail on my uh, YouTube channel. But doing eye exercises or eye drills to work out your eyes, again, in the morning, ideally three to five times a day. I say this depending on the symptoms that you're experiencing, but certainly before training. Why is that important? Because 
there's a neurological connection in your brain that connects your eye muscles to your neck and to your back. Mm -hmm. So let me repeat that. The way that your eyes move has an effect on the tension of the muscles of your neck and the muscles of your back. So in other words, your erector spinae. So if you are better aligned, if your posture is really straight and you're fighting gravity optimally, then your foot will not overcompensate. So doing eye exercises can also have an effect on your arch, but it can also have an effect on your neck and on your upper back. Great. All of which I need work on. So I Don't will be all. doing that. Don't yeah, we yeah. all. And I watched, I saw on your, um, your TED Talk, you did a live demonstration of the eye exercise that had an immediate effect and it, and it was really quite impressive. And, and the thing that I think is worth mentioning to the audience who thinks, oh, well, I don't have a lazy eye. That's, you know, it's a rare thing to see it in somebody in daily life, but you're saying that most people have it, but just in a small way, but it has in a way that affects them and they just don't know it. So these exercises are good for everybody. Pretty much for, for everybody. And when we're talking about the imbalances with the eyes, it's actually nine people out of 10. Wow. So 80% of people ha will have an imbalance with their foot. Nine, 90%, nine out of 10 will have an imbalance with their eyes. That's huge. And now if we talk about the jaw and the development of the jaw and the era and development of orthodontics, and I'm not here to put any other profession down, I'm, I'm simply here uh, to, again, address the cause of the problem. There's the problem with the development of jaws with children. Mothers are uh, breastfeeding is, well, now it's something that's becoming a little bit more popular nowadays where it's, you know, it kind of lost its fame for a while and now it's coming back. But breastfeeding and the development of that entire sphere of the jaw is definitely something, and mouth breathing is something that we're seeing more and more in children. These children then become adults. And the moment that there is an intervention done with the teeth, as you know, with orthodontists, uh, dentics, they pull teeth out and then they shrink the jaw to make room for it. And they position the teeth in this, um, how can I say, in a round fashion as opposed to having a square jaw. So all of these interventions are also going to affect, in this example now, uh, your jaw. So what can you do about it is, number one, if teeth were pulled out, there's nothing that we can do. But we can, can certainly start working on the tongue or using the tongue that is innervated by another cranial nerve that's in the same part of the brainstem. Use the tongue to practice good tongue posture. I understand that sounds a little weird. But to practice posture of the tongue on the palate, which will then help us breathe through our nose, becoming aware of clenching. And the palate is the top of the mouth, the roof of the mouth? Correct. Okay. Correct. Uh, one of the things, uh, you know, some people are not even able to position their tongue there. If you have them do like the kind of like, you know, kind of this exercise, uh, yeah. they're actually unable to hold the tongue right up there and they should be able to do so without touching the teeth. Right. Well, it, it's a muscle. And so if you, if people haven't been using it, then it's not very strong and they'll get tired. But you're saying that that is a, that would be beneficial to them if for them to keep doing that and get their tongue stronger and have and develop that habit. 
Well, actually, what I'm saying is we're all using our tongue more than 2,000 to 3,000 times a day. That's how often we swallow in one day. Uh, hmm. What I'm saying is that if we're swallowing with atypical swallowing, with abnormal swallowing patterns or tongue thrusts or speaking with it, and if we yeah. haven't developed properly this tongue posture, we're repeating the imbalance just as we would with posture on a daily basis, but 3,000 times a day every single day. So this now becomes an engram in our brain. So to recondition ourselves to have a proper engram, we would have to change our habits with our tongue. That includes the way we speak, the way, well, mostly the way we swallow our saliva and the position of our tongue, which will then affect the way that we speak and the way that we breathe. Okay. So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to understand it first and then make sure it's communicated to the audience here, this sense of what would be ideal if they were doing it right, it would be their tongue would be, their mouth would be closed and they're breathing through their mouth, their nose, and their tongue is on the roof of their mouth and forward? Nope, no forward. It's just, just on the roof of their mouth. Yeah, not touching the teeth. Not touching the teeth. Okay. And are the teeth touching? Nope. And are the lips closed? Yes. Okay. Excellent. So I would, um, I've done videos about how to um, become aware of clenching. Because if you are clenching during the day, chances are you're not aware of it. So uh, I call it the red dots. So, uh, you know, again, explain on my YouTube channel. So there's awareness. And then when you catch yourself clenching, there's practicing the good tongue posture that you just uh, described, Joe. Um, to uh, practice this posture, become aware of your breathing anywhere between one to two to three minutes per day, every single time you catch yourself clenching your teeth. And if you do it enough, and if you, you repeat it enough, then you're going to start changing your, in this example, lingual habits and have an effect on your head posture, on your breathing, and on everything else. That is great. So we gave some specific uh, tips on what to do for your feet and what to do for your jaw. And we, we just mentioned that there are some videotapes for the eyes, but let's let's describe the one that was in your, your TED Talk, if you think that's the, the best. Yep. Thing to do because and I and go ahead and talk about how to tell because I thought that was very powerful. Yeah. So uh, to to tell if you have an eye imbalance, um, all that you need to do is grab a pen, put it on your nose, right in front of your nose, and you want the tip of the pen to be right in front of your pupils. And uh, what you're going to do is you're going to attempt to look at the tip of the pen with both of your eyes. Now, if it's blurry, that's okay. What we're trying to determine is if you're seeing two tips as opposed to one. Does it help to have somebody watch you so that they can tell? Because sure. they could tell and take a picture. You're not going to be able to tell because what ends up happening in that instance, if you have a diverging eye, what will end up happening is that your brain will eliminate an image. Yeah. So you'll have the impression, you'll be like, yeah, I'm seeing the pen. You're not even aware of what's actually going on. It's a natural suppression that is happening, again, for survival purposes, that is being initiated by your brain. So if you can have somebody take a picture of you while you're doing it and take your time, most likely, again, 9 out of 10 will have a diverging eye. Now, I just want to mention, if you have a diverging eye, here's a 100% rule. You have an imbalance with your feet as well. Wow. You cannot have one without the other. Wow. Okay, so there's that. So your foot has to be corrected. You need to do something. And if you don't, it's just a question of time 
before you get injured. And we can actually predict this because we see this on players. I work with a lot with athletes. Uh, it's all about prevention. So if we can see where the prevention is going to occur, we can actually prevent it. And that's, you know, that's the difference between winning the uh, silver medal or the gold medal. And of course, in athleticism. I know that you're about to finish the description of the, the eyes, the intervention on the eyes, but I wanted to, you said something about the feet that reminded me that I didn't ask when we were talking about feet. Should the feet be pointing straight ahead? No. Because a lot of people are pigeon-toed or, you know, their feet turn yeah, out. Yeah, so, so, so it's so common uh, what we see. No, the, the natural angle of the foot should be 30 degrees, external rotation of 30 degrees. That's the natural position, and there should mm. be a 3.4-degree angle at the level of the ankle joint. Okay. What's, at, what's, what's um, unfortunate is you'll see either the duck toe or their hyperextended knee, or the asymmetry with the foot, or even one foot that's externally rotated where the other one is straight, kind of see yeah, like this. Yeah. See so these I mean? are signs that there's the, an imbalance. Correct. Okay. Co correct. So going back to the eye exercise, now you've determined that one eye is not working like the other one. Now for the exercise, and again, we've, we have... Um, we have many exercises that we teach in our programs. One of the branches of Posture Pro is that we are a clinic in Montreal, but we also teach this to healthcare professionals or anyone really that's looking to extend their knowledge. One of the first exercises that we always suggest is what I call the, uh, the one with the circular circles. So uh, what you'll do is you'll draw a line, as I've done in the TED Talk, on your dominant index. So if you're right-handed, it's going to be your right index. And you're going to start doing slow clockwise circles right in front of your eyes. So I'm doing it right here for you to see. And again, you saw it with the TED Talk. And the idea is you want both of your eyes to see the same target throughout the entire diameter of the circle. And now, so they should put the finger far enough out so that they're definitely seeing it with both eyes? Correct. And then they want to figure out where their starting position is. How okay. are they going to do this? Well, if they bring the finger close, at some point, they're going to start seeing two lines. Yeah. So that would be your starting position. Okay. Now, what's great with the eyes is as you work them out, um, they actually adapt fairly quickly. The changes are really occurring fairly quick. So you're going to want to make that exercise a little bit more challenging as you get better with it. And to do this, all that you have to do is actually bring the finger even closer and do right. even smaller circles. Oh, so okay. think of that, think of that as adding weight on your bench press. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I wonder if one of the reasons that this is so prevalent is that people look straight ahead almost all of the time. They're sitting in front of a computer or they're sitting in front of a TV uh, or, you know, they, and they don't look, they're not looking from side to side very much. And so the eyes are not getting the exercise that maybe they're expecting. Uh, actually, the eyes affect 100% of our brain. You, um, it is going to be very hard to age gracefully, and I say this with a grain of salt. If you are, if your eyes are not tracking properly, vision vision again affects 100% of your entire brain. The, the eyes are actually the only sensory organ systems. They move more than 100,000 times a day, huh. and they never take a break. And your brain will pick what you see, will trump all other senses, and will pick what you see based on anything else. So if you're not seeing properly, if you're not calculating your distances properly, you are definitely overcompensating from a postural standpoint. Yeah, that is so powerful. 
We are really running out of time here. So I, I wanted to make sure that there wasn't anything that we missed that I didn't ask you about that you think was important. And then I want to get some contact info from you. Well, I think that that, uh, well, yeah. So if, for anyone who'd like to, to learn more, we've, uh, we've uh, as I've said before, we, we have a clinic in Montreal. We've uh, created online certifications uh, as little as, as $97 for an online certification, which talks about the role of the feet. And then, you know, kind of like this whole uh, brain-based approach to our, our full Posture Pro Method program. And for those who uh, would be interested in, in creating that sensory stimulation to those sensory organ systems um, on, on, on a 24-7 basis, or I should say 18 hours a day, depending on, on how much, on how much you, you actually work in our stand-up, right? Then we have products also, again, all geared to optimizing your brain to fix uh, your posture. And all of these can be found on posturepro.co. PosturePro.co is our website. And as far as our social media, it's the same, it's the same word, PosturePro, uh, whether it be on uh, YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. However, with Twitter, it would be Posture underscore Pro. Uh, well, yeah, sometimes the, the <laughs> yeah, good ones are gone. Uh, well, so, and you, do you guys in your clinic do like online kinds of work with people? Yes, absolutely. I almost forgot to mention we do. Uh, COVID obviously has given us the opportunity to to do this. So for those that are not located in Montreal, we have online consultations that can be found on our website. Again, posturepro.co. All you got to click on is the navigation. They can find that through your website, though. They can find it. Just get treatment. And so if you go on, on get treatment, you'll have the option of online certification or Montreal clinic. And uh, then you'll be able to book your consultation right from there. Fantastic. Annette, thank you very much. Thank this you, has Joe. been very educational. I hope the audience has enjoyed it as much as I have. And you have a great day. Same. Thank you. Thanks for listening in to my discussion with Annette Verpio. Her advice seems so sensible to me that I have been following her vision and foot exercises every day since our discussion. If you'd like to know more about Annette and Posture Pro, be sure to check out the show notes at wiseathletes.com. While you're there, you can sign up to take a free fitnesses practices assessment, send us a question to address on the podcast, see all of our episodes, subscribe to our podcast, and you can sign up for our newsletter. If you're on social media and enjoyed this episode, please post about it. That'd be a great help. Thanks again. And you can sign up for our newsletter. If you're on social media and enjoyed this episode, please post about it. That'd be a great help. Thanks again.